0: If you look in, in Habakkuk chapter 1, we're going to jump into this passage of scripture in just a moment here. It's, it's encouraging that when you go through these minor prophets here in scripture, that it's encouraging to look at the difference between all these men. They don't all have the same personality traits. They're not all exactly the same in their character. You know, Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. He was a man who could thunder the the promises of God and the declarations of God, but at the same time, he wept for the sins of the people. Then you have a guy like Jonah. Uh, Many of us more relate to him. Jonah was kind of the reluctant prophet. God said, this is what you need to go do, and Jonah said, "Uh uh-uh. I'm going to go that way, and the Lord had to do a little work in Jonah's life, and we know the story there. Now, Habakkuk, I think you could say, was a man who, who was an honest prophet, now, not implying that the other prophets were dishonest, but, but Habakkuk was a man who was honest in his relationship with God. There was not a lot that he held back from God. In fact, he told God exactly how he felt. And this is one thing that I think is important for us to take from this passage of Scripture. He was transparently honest with God. Some have said that Habakkuk is the doubting Thomas of the Old Testament. And again, not in a critical way, but Habakkuk is facing problems here. So if you know the story, the people of Judah are getting ready to go into captivity the Babylonian empire is coming and they're, gonna, they're going to be coming uh, to judge the people of Judah and Habakkuk is, is observing all of the sin and wickedness of the people of Judah and uh, and he's looking at all of these problems and, and really the, kind of the overview of this book is that he, he sees the problems he admits that there are problems and he takes those problems to God and, uh, and we see what God does with those problems and, and how God answers Habakkuk And so we're going to jump into this first chapter, the first point. We'll give you the first point here, and then we'll jump into it explaining that. Chapter 1, point number 1, is the burden, Habakkuk's burden. He had a burden that he brought to God. If you look at Habakkuk chapter 1, look at verse number 1. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Point number one, the burden. I took it right from that verse. Man, that was easy. That was two words in. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Now look at verse number two here as he begins to question God. Now follow along here. Put yourself in Habakkuk's shoes here. He says, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention." Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. I mean, look at this passage of Scripture. What's he saying? This is a man of God talking to God, and he doesn't understand what he what seems to be the insensitivity of God. Look. Don't you see, God, what's going on? There's a lot of sin. There's a lot of wickedness. There's a bunch of bad stuff going on. I mean, people are living against you. There's violence on every hand. There's strife and contention within the nation. There is uh, iniquity. There is sin. uh, There is uh, judgment. Look at verse number four there again. The law is slagged. I mean, people are not obeying the law. The people that are obeying the law are being persecuted. The people that are breaking the law are getting away with it. Sounds kind of familiar, huh? You know He's talking about his day in the same way that we could talk about our day. There's sin everywhere. What's good is now bad. What's evil is accepted. Things aren't right. And is taking it to God and he said, look, i got a problem with this. He's implying, God, why are you so insensitive to this? Why are you not taking care of these problems? Kind of the same way that we could talk about here in our day and age. God, why are you not dealing with all the sin and wickedness going on in the world? It just isn't right. It appears to Habakkuk that God is rather insensitive to all the things going on in this world. And uh, one of the big takeaways, I think, from this is that Habakkuk did not hold back his feelings with God. He didn't hold back. One thing I enjoyed about reading this passage of Scripture is he speaks very bluntly to God. He's not holding back saying, Oh, thou God of Isaac and Abraham and Jacob. And he doesn't have this whole big thing written out. He says, God, look. The law is slack. People are not obeying you. Judgment doth never go forth. The wicked doth compass about the righteous. Wrong judgment proceedeth. What's the problem here? Why are you so insensitive? God, don't you care? You know, I know some of you probably have felt the same way before. And I want to tell you it's okay to say that to God. God's not upset when you've bent your frustrations to Him. He wants you to be honest. He knows you feel that way anyway. You know, last week, I'm thankful. I'm thankful I have a merciful God who tells me to come boldly to the throne of grace so that I can be a little angry at him a couple of days. And I know God doesn't hate me for it. I was frustrated with God. God, This is not fair. It's not fair that you took Danny and Roger. Those were good men. It's not fair that Ed Arledge isn't here. That was my cutting up, buddy. I mean, it's not fair that some of these things have happened the way that they have happened. It's not fair that Brother Cook has been taken away. There's not many greater men than than George Cook. It's just not fair. It's not fair that I can't be there as if I had, you know, some great magic potion or something. But still, it's not fair that I couldn't be there. And I'm thankful that the Lord says that's okay. Okay. I want to hear from you. I want you to tell me how you feel. I want you to be honest with me. God wants us to be honest with him. Now, we're going to jump down. Look at verse number five here. Verse number five, God begins to reply to Habakkuk. Now, that in and of itself is encouraging, that God will reply to us. He wants to hear from us. He wants to hear from us when things are good, but he really wants to hear from us when things are bad. And when things are not going well, he wants you to vent your frustrations. He wants you to be honest with him. But the other side of that coin, though, is now we need to listen to God when he speaks to us. Now look at verse number 5. Behold ye, God speaking here, among the heathen and regard, and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe, though it be told you. Oh, that's exciting there. God's saying, look, I'm about to do some stuff, and people aren't even going to be able to talk about it. It's incredible. You're gonna, that's what it says right here in the translation here. It's going to be good, all right? This is some good stuff coming. And I can see Habakkuk. Oh, here it comes, the judgment of God. He's fixing to make things right. It's all going to be right. Verse number 6. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans. Whoa. Wait, wait a second. I mean, I can see Habakkuk. Wait, wait, wait. Time out here. Let's stop at verse number 5, period, end of story. I don't like where verse number six is going. For lo, I will raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Now, God begins to talk about the rest of the chapter, the future invasion of the Babylonians. Lord's replying to Habakkuk, here, I'm going to do a great thing. There's some wonderful things that are coming, and it's going to be by the hand of the Chaldeans, and they are a dreadful people. They are horrible. They're going to come into the land of Judah, and I'm using them to judge my people. Now, that does not answer Habakkuk's question, that just adds more questions. God, you are insensitive. To let all of this sin continue, God said, I'm going to deal with it. Habakkuk says, yeah, here we go. How are you going to deal with it? I'm going to send the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, and it's going to get bad. That's not what I want. I don't understand. You were so insensitive. Now, Habakkuk responds to God. Now you're not just being insensitive. Now you're just being, being inconsistent. How can you take a horrible people and judge your people who are in sin? How can you take somebody worse and judge the people that are God's chosen people? This is just not fair. God says, I see the injustice, I see the evil, and I am going to do something about it. Habakkuk says, I don't understand your inconsistency. Look at verse number 12. Here's Habakkuk responding back to God. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine holy one? Look at the phraseology here. He's referring to God's holiness. We shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. And O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Verse number 13. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. God, I mean, your eyes are so pure. And the Babylonians are so horrible. You can't even look on iniquity. Wherefore, lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? Are you following what Habakkuk's saying? He said, God, why do you permit this evil to go on among your people? The Lord says, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians and they're going to deal with that. Habakkuk says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Your character is so holy and good and you're so pure. Why are you going to allow a horrible, cruel people like this to judge your own people? God, you're being inconsistent, you're not being fair. First of all, you're insensitive to the sin. We're having to deal with all this sin, all this injustice, and your answer is the sin the Babylonians, and you talked about being pure, and you say that you're holy, but you're going to use this wicked, horrible people to judge your people. This isn't right. This isn't fair. This is Habakkuk, frustrated with God, angry with the, with the Lord. He's pouring out his heart to God, but what we look at, again, what we see is a man who is willing to be honest with God. He's talking... About this is what Habakkuk is doing he's talking about how he feels and he's letting, letting the Lord know how much he disagrees with his plan there have been many times that I've disagreed with God's plan not just in recent days there have been times I disagree with it it's frustrating being somewhere you know you're doing what the Lord wants you to do but it's frustrating sometimes being somewhere when things just aren't, aren't the way that they used to be you know, it's frustrating sometimes going to a new place and starting all over it's aggravating. I'll just be very transparent with you tonight. I'm just very, be very honest. Habakkuk was being honest. I, sh- I figured I should be too. Uh, you know, it's frustrating coming into a new place. I've heard it from many of you. And again, it's, not, it's no secret. It's, it's, and it's not a slight on anyone. I've heard it from many of you. Things are good here. It's just different. That's okay. And I want you to know that's okay. It's okay that things are different. And in fact, not only is it just okay, it's God's plan. It's in God's plan for things to be different. It's just not the way it used to be. And I get it, man. I'm with you. It's not the way it used to be. I'm at a place now where we're on the other side of it. I'm kind of wearing, and, and, and Brother Jeremiah's and Brother Nate's spot at the other place there where they're saying, things are good. We like you. We like Brother Miller. It's, it's just different. And they don't say brother. They say pastor. It's Pastor Miller and Pastor Bartlett. They don't say, I'm like, you're my, you know, I called one guy, I said, Brother so-and-so. He said, why do you call me my brother? I'm, I'm not your brother. You're my brother in Christ. He said, well, you don't have to say it. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> so it's different. But you know what? The Lord, in his plan, wanted things to be different. He wanted, through all of this COVID, he wanted you and I to be uncomfortable. Through all the transition that took place in this church, he wanted you to be uncomfortable. Hey, make no mistake about it. He wanted Pastor Andrews and his family to be uncomfortable he wanted me and my family to have to be uncomfortable all across this land we can go all the way down the line and look at different people who have been moved of the Lord Lord, literally moved from one location to the other and been made uh, made uncomfortable he's taken people out of this church great men great men out of this church why? he's causing disruption on purpose God has a plan now, I, that, that's, the, that's really the end of what I can tell you is that God has a plan. I don't know what that plan completely in its fulfillment is and what it will be. But I trust in the fact that God has a plan. I trust in the fact that God did not take Danny and Roger McNair on an accident. It wasn't a shock to God when George Cook showed up to heaven. It wasn't a surprise when Ed Arledge walked through the golden, uh, walked down the golden streets. Uh, well, it may have been a little surprise, Miss Peggy. I don't know. It may have shocked <laughs> He actually made it here. That's good. Over the edge. It was no surprise when Robert walked through the pearly gates with a clear mind. God has a purpose. Look at Habakkuk chapter 2. God starts to talk back to Habakkuk here. Habakkuk chapter 1, he's saying, There's sin. God, why are you allowing this to happen? God says, I've got a plan. It includes the Babylonians and a lot of violence, and things are going to get ugly. Habakkuk says, I don't agree with that. That's not right. That's inconsistent. You're not being fair. Habakkuk chapter 2, we see here in uh, verse number 2. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Point number 2 tonight, we see the vision. We see the vision from Habakkuk. Write the vision and make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth it. Now, when it says here, make it plain upon the tables, it's a reference to the way they gave out messages in those days. There was a, uh, a big tablet somewhere in a big public place, and uh, they would have someone go in and engrave a message on that tablet that everyone could see. Similar to our day, where we'd say, uh, post it on Facebook. Uh, there was some kind of message they wanted to get out to everybody. I, I sent a mass text. I posted it on Facebook. I put a message on Instagram. Uh, I, I posted it on Twitter. Uh, some of you, I put it on my MySpace account uh, from way back. Uh, you know, it's, he's saying, go to the te- go to the big rock. You're going to engrave on this tablet a message I want to give you. Here's a vision I have for you. Verse number 3. So in chapter 2. He, Habakkuk sees some things. God says, I'm going to give you an answer. I want you to write it on the table so big that when people go running by, they see it and they tell everybody else about it. Verse number three. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though, to, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. In other words, Habakkuk, I'm going to give you an answer. You're not going to get the answer immediately. But just wait, the answer will come. We have to understand, and this is hard for us. It may, it may not be hard for you. You may be a lot more advanced than you're thinking, and you probably are. But with me, I have a hard time understanding God and eternity. How in my world, I, I work in, the, in, in time. I deal with time. I have a calendar. I have a schedule. I deal with time frames, and that's how I function. To think of God and how God sees all of this uh, from the aspect of eternity just blows my mind. I don't comprehend that. But that's exactly what God is telling us here. He said, I've got, an, I've got a vision for you. I'm going to give you a message. I want you to post it on Facebook. I want you to plaster it on the sign outside. I want everybody to see it. Here's the message. The vision is coming. I'm going to give it to you here. But you have to understand, it's for an appointed time. It's coming. I have a plan, but it's much bigger than you. And one message I would give you tonight, Central, is this. That God has a plan for this church. God has a plan for this ministry here. I don't know what the end result is, but it's much bigger than you, and it's much bigger than me. What God is doing among His people and His churches, the the shaking up that's been going on in our country, I don't know what the end result is going to be, but I know God's got a plan, and the time is going to come, and it may not even be in our lifetime, but the time is going to come where God's going to fulfill what He is doing in this world, in this church, in your life today. In chapter 2, there's basically two thoughts I'm going to hustle along here. There's two basic thoughts. We're not going to go through all these, but five times in chapter two, he deals with the woes. He talks about woe unto him that increaseth that which is not his he's talking about those who steal those who covet those who are uh, uh, building a town with blood establish a city by iniquity those who are building things uh, in sin those who uh, uh, verse number 15 woe unto them that giveth his neighbor drink that putteth the bottle to him he talks about drunkenness and alcohol and all of that verse number 19 woe unto them that saith to the wood awake and to the dumb stone arise and it shall teach talking about making idols that's what's going on in our country today there's wickedness. There's uh, uh, alcohol, drunkenness. There is idolatry. We see that tonight and all the events going on uh, with Super Bowl weekend and all the things that take place. In our world, we see the same sins here. But then God comes back and He says, okay, Habakkuk, but there's some other things here. We see also three promises in, ver- in chapter number two, three promises of God to his people. Real quick, verse number four, we're going to look at Look at these real quick. Verse number four. Behold his soul. Chapter two, Habakkuk chapter two, verse number four. Behold his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. In that verse, he talks about two types of people. He talks about those who are lift up in their own soul. Now, these are people who are living for themselves. They're trying to get heaven by works. They're li- living a life of sin because of... Everything that they do is for them, those who are lifted up in their own soul. But the just shall live by his faith. Now, if you know much about Scripture, we remember, we see that phrase there in Habakkuk, and then you see that again uh, in the New Testament, you see it three different times. The Apostle Paul mentions that in the book of Romans, he mentions that in Galatians, he mentions that in Hebrews, the same phrase, the just shall live by his faith. And this is the ultimate lesson here in the book of Habakkuk is this. There are things going on that just don't seem right. They don't seem fair. Maybe it's from someone passing on. Maybe it's from you losing a job. Maybe it's some financial trouble you've been in. Maybe you lost your job through all this COVID. Maybe some bad stuff that's happening that just doesn't seem to be fair. The Lord says this. There are those who lift themselves up. But understand this. The just, they live by faith. And the lesson that Habakkuk is now learning, and he's passing on to you and me, is that everything that's going on in our world, nationally, globally, everything that's going on in your house, locally in this church, I am to depend and live by faith, trusting God and trusting his plan. Because he's got a vision he's given us. He's got a message he's given us. He says, first and foremost here, he gives the promise that the Lord will redeem. The just shall live by his faith. The Lord is going to redeem us. This might be the greatest verse in the Bible there. The just shall live by faith. The second promise, verse number 14, quickly. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, and the, as the waters cover the sea. That's a great promise. That's one that's not here yet. Is the earth filled with the knowledge of God today? No. That's not happened yet, but that's coming. That's part of that vision. This is coming. This is on the way. We don't, we're don't. we not going to see it probably in our day. Maybe the Lord will come tonight. He'll come tomorrow, and we'll get to see it all within the next few days. Who knows? But the day is going to come where the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. This is the promise. Number one, the Lord will redeem. Number two, he's going to come back, and the earth is going to be filled with his knowledge. He promises then in verse number 20, but the Lord is in his holy temple let the earth keep silence before Him. He promises to rule. So God's given us these promises in chapter 2. He's telling Habakkuk here, the Lord is going to redeem. He's going to send a Savior The just shall live by His faith. Number two, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God. Number three, the Lord promises that He is going to rule. Now, sometimes we hear that term, that, that, that statement in that passage of Scripture. And that's often been taken out of context here. Uh, the Lord is in His holy temple. Uh, we are to keep silence before Him. Now, that does not mean we come to church and we are very, very quiet because the Lord is in his holy temple and we're to be silent. That doesn't mean that at all, okay? The Lord is in his temple is not even close to talking about the church, okay? Uh, The Lord does, I mean, you know, this building here is not the temple of God, only in the sense that it's where we show up to meet together. This building is not the church, Now, we call it the church and we say at the church and we understand what we mean by that, but we are the church. The Lord is in his holy temple. What we have to understand is the Lord is going to come back and he's going to rule in his temple here one day and the earth, let the earth keep silence before him. What's he saying here in this passage of scripture? The Lord is in charge, the Lord's in his holy temple. The Lord is on His throne, so let the Earth keep silence. What he's saying here is, the Lord is on His throne, the Lord is in control. One day He's going to come back in here and rule, and everybody just shut up. That's the Bartlett translation there. All right? Everybody hush. Everybody chill out. How unfortunate would it be to be God and look at this world and his Christians, his followers, the believers who have been sanctified, who have been redeemed, and to see us, many of us, complain and whine and be upset about little things that don't go go right in our lives. How frustrating would that have to be? Again, the Lord wants us to be honest with him. He wants us to pour our hearts out to him. But oftentimes, let's just be honest, many of the times that we pour our heart out to God, it's over little dumb things. I just don't think it's right that Brother Andrews did this in the church and I just don't like that. How many times does the Lord get frustrated with that? I'm dealing with big universe stuff and I gotta worry and gotta listen to you whine and complain about, you know, he moved the chairs in that classroom over there. Stuff's gonna change. I can't believe he put the, the locks on those doorknobs in the hallways there. I just saw those the other day so I was gonna mention that. So They weren't there when I left so little beep beep buttons over there. I was walking to the back office where, you know, pastor's office is and all that. I go go back there and there's a new keypad there. (laughs) Who puts the keypad on that door, you know? There are things that change. And how often do we complain about dumb things that don't make any difference in the world? We've got people in our church who are hurting. People in our church who are going through difficult, life-changing things. But yet, oftentimes as Christians, we focus on just the most minute preferences and things that just don't go our way. How, how frustrated would it have to be to be God to have to hear those things? But the message that God has for Habakkuk, look, you got big problems. you got big concerns, but I have a bigger plan. And we have great things that are coming. Your job as a Christian is to live by faith. I don't have to understand everything that's going on, but God's asking for me to trust him and to live by faith. And then we'll be done. We'll wrap this up here in chapter 3. Chapter 3, we have Habakkuk's prayer. Habakkuk's prayer. Chapter 3, verse number 2. You see, back it up there to verse number 20 in chapter 2, verse number 20. But the Lord, he's finishing up here, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. God is in control. God is in control. Let the earth keep silence before him. Chapter 3, jump down to verse number 2. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years in the midst of the years make known in wrath remember mercy you see here a great prayer from habakkuk now he he pitched a fit a little bit he made his heart known to God. He was honest about how he felt. Lord, this doesn't make sense. You're inconsistent. You're not doing things the way that you said that you would. It's just not making sense with what is going on in the world. There is sin, but God, you can't send bad people to hurt your chosen people. That's just not right. You're being insensitive. You're being inconsiderate. You're just not being who you said you were. This just isn't fair. God says, Habakkuk, trust me. Walk by faith. I'm in control. Don't you worry about who's in control. I'm in control. This is my plan. There's a great vision here. I'm going to do some great things. You're not going to see all of it at one time, but it's coming. I give you my word. There's a greater plan in play here. And Habakkuk responds. Verse number two, O Lord, I've heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work. Revive thy work. How many of us that's been our prayer here lately? Lord, revive our work. Have you prayed personally Have you prayed personally for revival in your life? Lord, what you're doing in our nation, revive your work in me. Lord, what's going on with all the COVID stuff and people being, uh, people being sick and people being in the hospital and people going on to be with the Lord. It's just, Lord, use this to revive your work in our church. Use this to shake Christians. Use this to draw lost people to you. How many of us have prayed that prayer? Revive thy work in the midst of the years. I love the theme that you have this year, renew, renew. That's not just a catchy phrase and a catchy word and something to throw on the walls here. That ought to be your prayer and my prayer. Lord, use what's going on. I don't understand it. By the way, you don't have to. Lord, I don't like it, and that's okay. You don't have to, but Lord, I trust you. So whatever you're doing, I don't think it's right, but man, I'm not God. And I don't think it makes sense, but I'm not God. So Lord, use this to revive your work in me. And use this to revive our church. Use this for us to be a greater uh, asset to the ministry, to the kingdom of God. Help us to be a lighthouse in this city, to win people to you. Have you prayed that prayer? Or do we just stop at chapter 1 at the complaining? We pour out our heart to God, and he wants to hear that but we can't miss chapter two when he speaks back to us. And we ought to certainly then go to chapter three and say, Lord, I need revival. I want you to do revival in my heart and in our church. In verse three through 16, Habakkuk recounts, he goes back to what God has done in the past. We're not gonna look at all that tonight for time, but he goes through all the things that God has done in the past and he rejoices at what God is gonna do in the future. And you see a big transition there. He mentions great things that God's done in the past. And why is it that so many Christians, myself included, and i probably top of the list, why is it so often that we doubt God? So often we doubt God because we just don't take time to remember when God has answered our prayers in the past, when God has done great and wonderful things for us in the past. But what's the great sin of the children of Israel? These same people that literally walked through the Red Sea being parted. They literally had food fall from the heavens and provided for them right outside their tents. They had all of these things. They saw Moses strike a rock twice and water come out of it. They saw all of these great miracles, and yet they still ridiculed and mocked God. Why? Because they wouldn't take time to just stop and remember. Remember? remember all the awesome crazy things we think of that and we think well if I lived back then I wouldn't be that way but yet here we are God's answered our prayers God's done great things for us he's moved in this church he's moved in your life and in mine but yet when some when the next uh, difficulty comes along we begin to doubt we sometimes somehow think well God was faithful back then but then a couple days later he's probably not anymore how foolish Habakkuk now goes back and he remembers this is what God did. I remember when God did this when God did this and when God did did this. And guess what? He's going to do this and this and this from verses 3 through 16. Then we get to verse 17. What a great passage of Scripture. This is where we all ought to strive to get. Look at verse number 17. We're going to wrap this up. Although the fig trees shall not blossom, neither shall be fruit in the vines, labor of the olive shall fail, the fields shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herds in the stalls. If we would get this truth here, man, it would revolutionize yours and mine, our lives. It would revolutionize our lives, and we would never be discouraged again. What does he say? Look at verse 17. Although the fig, thru- fig tree shall not blossom, the fig tree was a sign of plenty and prosperity. Neither shall be fruit of the vine. Of course, the, fr- the vine was the source of wine. The labor of the olive shall fail. The olive was used for food and was used for medicine. Then the fields shall yield no meat. He's talking about if the crops fail. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. In other words no meat, no food, nothing nothing here is surviving. It, although all of this were to happen, look at verse number 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. What's the back saying? It doesn't matter what happens. If we lose everything, I remember Lord that you blessed me before, and you answered my prayers before, and Lord, I know that you have a plan, a bigger plan in mind, and even though I don't understand it, even if I lose everything, man, I'm going to rejoice in you. I'm going to trust in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk came to God with questions. He went to, if you look back at chapter number two there, verse number one, I will stand upon my watch. I will set me in the tower. We didn't get to that part, but Habakkuk poured out his heart to God in chapter one. Then he said, I'm going to go to my secret place. I'm going to go to my watchtower, and I'm going to wait. He got alone with God. Chapter two, verse number one, he said, okay, God, I'm telling you how I feel. Then he says, I'm going to go to my watchtower, and I'm going to wait, and will watch and see what he will say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. He said, Lord, I'm going to pour my heart out to you, but then he stopped to listen, to hear from God. He spent time with God. God gave him that answer, and Habakkuk said, Lord, man, it doesn't matter what happens. You've been good to me. You've blessed me. You've been faithful all these years. You've done all these wonderful things. I'm going to rejoice in you. Whatever happens, I'm going to rejoice in you. And then verse number 19, what does he he say after he gives this great declaration of faith? The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like hinds feet. He will make me to walk upon mine high places. Habakkuk is saying, nothing, nothing can get me down anymore. He's now walking on the mountaintop. And I'd encourage you tonight, with everything that's going on in your life, and what's going on in this church, and what's going on with so many families here, get on high places. Christian has no, has no right to be whining and complaining about little insignificant things. Look, things are different in this church. They are. They just are. The more you complain about it, the more it's not going to change. Things are different. Where we are, things are different. It's just weird, all right? They just eat weird things. They don't use seasoning on anything. It's just weird. They eat buffaloes and stuff, you know? It's just different. So what good does it do to complain about it? There are real people with real problems. There are real difficulties that you and I are to help people through. In this church, there's a mission field right here. There's a mission field in this community. There are people in this church that need to be loved. There are ladies sitting here tonight that need you to love them and care for them and help them. The Lord cares about you and me. He wants to hear about our our big problems. He wants us to be honest with him when there are difficulties and trials that come, but we must listen to him. And the true sign of a Christian who listens to God, who is in his word, in the secret place, in your own watchtower, the result is a Christian who now grows in faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. We grow in faith when we listen to the Lord. We may not know the end result and why he's doing what he's doing, and we may never know. But what we can know is there's a bigger plan in in play. God's got a bigger thing going on. And when I trust in him and I walk with him, I can't help but walk on the mountaintop. Even if everything fails, he is the God of my salvation. Even if everything in this world is is messed up, and even even if we lose everything, this is as bad as it's gonna be for us. One day we're gonna be in glory. One day, we're going to be with Brother Cook and the McNairs, and we're going to be with Brother Ed. And One day, Robert's going to come up, and he's probably going to get on fuss at some of you guys for being mean to him. Yeah. One day, we're going to be in heaven with all those folks again. We can walk on the mountaintops. We can walk with Hines' feet. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together tonight. Thank you for this faithful church. Lord, the wonderful people of Central Baptist Church. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us your word that when we go through difficulties and when we go through trials, first of all, Lord, we're thankful that you want to hear from us, that we can come boldly to the throne of grace for help in our time of need. Lord, we thank you that you've given us your word to speak to our hearts. Lord, you have a vision and you have a plan. And although we may not know the plan today and we may never know the plan, Lord, we're thankful that you have a plan, that you are on the throne, you are in your holy temple, and we can remain silent knowing that your plan is true true and is right, and it is just. Lord, we thank you then that we can walk and live a life of joy, even as Habakkuk lived a life of joy, knowing of the coming judgment that even we as Christians can live a life of joy today, knowing that your will is what's most important. We can live on the mountaintops knowing that you love us. I pray that you bless this church. Lord, bless these families who've gone through so much tragedy and difficulty these last few weeks. Lord, I pray that you bless this pastor and his family who've worked so hard and this staff who've worked so hard to minister to the people in this church lord i pray that you would be with uh this this community of believers who uh, are to be a lighthouse and a testimony in this city i pray that you bless this church help this church to continue to thrive lord not for their glory not for any one of us but lord for your glory we thank you for what you've done and what you are going to do in the future bless us now in jesus name i pray amen